Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Your host, Jesse Jameson, has a real treat for you. You are about to hear a great story. And if Jesse brings his A-game, some good commentary too. And later on, we'll let you know how you can join Jesse as a guest. Now, without further ado, here's Jesse. Welcome back to Voice America and welcome back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Today's friend is Juna from Philadelphia. And Juna's story today is, we're not in Kansas anymore. Now, Juna, I woke up watching a movie that I think we all grew, grew up watching, which was The Wizard of Oz with Dorothy and her little dog Toto, right? And so whenever I hear, we're not in Kansas anymore, I'm kind of envisioning a scenario where all of a sudden we're in almost alien country. Do I have it close? The floor is yours. Uh, yes. Um so I, um, since I'm a, a spiritual healer, I was very uh, drawn to uh, study with a shaman in Peru. Um, I what, very, what, what is a shaman for my audience members that might not know? Okay, so uh, the, the traditional, uh, a person who is trained in the traditional medicine of the people, so the native people's traditional medicine. So, so does that does that thousands of years? Okay, so does that mean a Peruvian shaman will have similarities, but not ever use the same medicines as maybe a, a Argentinian shaman or a South African or you know an African shaman? So they're all completely different. Yeah, because uh, they're all uh, herbalist. And uh, so they use the plants that grow in their lo locale. And so, yes, there is a very difference. Uh, there's a big difference between, you know, the plants that grow even in North America and South America and the traditions there. But, um, and when you ask the, the shamans, well, how, how did you learn, uh, you know, about the which plants treat what, or, you know, their medicinal qualities, they say that they've learned everything from the plants themselves. So by observation and by trial and error, and, uh, and the same is true in, uh, here in the States. But you said that they've been doing this for thousands of years, right? So, obvious, yeah. so obviously there's some natural plants that they kind of already have an inkling do perform you know, well with, with regards to energy, stamina, getting better, right? So they do have a little bit of experience to go on, not just trial and error, correct? Yeah, well, yeah, like uh, many, many, many years of, of, of this. And, um, and so in uh, Peru and also uh, in Brazil and Colombia, uh, in, in other parts of the world, um, the sacred medicine is ayahuasca. She's also called the vine of death, and it doesn't mean physical death, but it means it's, she's the vine of transformation. And uh, she's also called purga, which means to purge, because um, the ceremony is also a kind of a detoxification, a purifying process. And, um, and so when she is um, mixed with the herb chacruna, it creates a, a THC. And uh, so the persons in the ceremony ingesting this have uh, sometimes great 
beautiful visions. Um, but it's not just those two plants. And every shaman makes their um, own special uh, brew or remedy, um, depending on their knowledge of the plants and their specialties. And so they might use a, another herb that, say, cleanses the liver or cleanses the stomach, or another herb that um, creates more uh, beautiful colors in the visions. And so every shaman has a, um, it, you know, it's all the basic frameworks, but they, you know, they all have their specialties. Um, sometimes that there are medicines that are really, really old, just like, you know, a very old aged wine uh, and is quite valuable in that way. Um, and um, the more authentic shamans, um, they prepare uh, their medicine in a sacred way. So when the plant is harvested, it's not like, you know, um, like it's the difference between going in and kind of bulldozing it and just kind of taking the plant. But instead, the authentic ones uh, use it a ritual manner in um, preparing the medicine. They, with uh, sacred songs and with certain times of the day and with prayers. And, uh, you know, you never like take a whole, if there's a patch of a plant growing, you never like harvest the whole thing. You always want to leave some so that there are certain, uh, if you want to call it protocols, uh, that those who are, you know, again, more in the traditional manners as opposed to, you know, some people who are just doing it more commercially. So let me ask you a couple questions. So I find this very fascinating. So in an interesting way, a shaman is kind of like a doctor, but they're also kind of like a scientist, right? There's a little research and development involved. And in a weird way, they also are kind of like, uh, you know, during Prohibition, we had the people that, that created and, and, and made the moonshine, right? So in a weird way, they're brewers, right? And they kind of create their own stuff. But where do they fall in nowadays with regards to being doctors? Because I would imagine a thousand years ago when there wasn't a doctor, you went to the shaman or maybe a witch doctor as, as you know, somebody might might call them right um but now are they kind of seen more along the lines of for rituals and tradition or maybe faith healing or where do they fall in now with regards to them versus a doctor well um it, you know because tradition um you know modern medicine is is available too and so a lot of the shamans have lost their st social standing uh, because of this so um you know, it's all, it's kind of like how things are in upheaval here in the States, how everything is changing. And so new things are coming in and old things are uh, being tested, that type of thing. So, so Juna, let me ask you this. So, so let's say it wasn't like that. Let's say instead of being passed by, let's say they integrated. And what I mean by that is what if you went to your shaman? And you said, you know, Shaman Joe, I, I have a ton of pain in my arm. Wouldn't that be crazy if he said, I have this for you? And he pulled out some Percocet. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, because technically aren't our, you know, we go through research and development through companies like Pfizer and Merck and right, all these different companies. And they, they basically take these ingredients, which sometimes do come from nature, 
and they find a way to concentrate the active component that actually has an effect, right? And then they do trials to actually make sure that it's better than placebo, right? So in a weird way, if a shaman did give you a Percocet or maybe a Xanax for people or whatever, it, it, I don't think it would be breaking any rules, would it? Yeah, it would. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would. Um, and so part of the reason why I um, studied um, with this first uh, shaman, his name was Jorge, um, is that um, because I was trained as a, a Reiki master and a lot of energy therapies, and I, w I worked in his clinic that he had. And, um, and so he would give uh, people uh, herbal remedies. If it wasn't in the ceremony itself, people came to him. Uh, and the time I went there, um, it was rather, they were just getting over a rather dangerous time um, with the, there was a group called the Shining Path, a group of terrorists that were, um, you know, a lot of political, uh, there was a lot of political upheaval there. And so a lot of people were traumatized by uh, you know, the terrorists. And so, and, you know, some people were murdered and had to experience the loss of that. And so sometimes he worked a lot just on the emotional level as well, using herbal remedies, because again, when you're, the plants have grown up with us for, you know, thousands of years. And so um, when you, when pharmaceuticals either concentrate uh, uh, an herb, you sometimes there's side effects, whereas plant medicine is more holistically related. And not only that, um, the shamans believe uh, that um, that the plants also have spirits, whereas a pharmaceutical does not, uh, because they are living beings. They grow where they want to, and um, they and so the plant spirits are used in the the ceremonies as well there is a oh. side of there is a side effect to ayahuasca though <laughs> no, but, well if you're talking about um the purga part um and and i also wanted to mention that the, sh the trainings that the shamans have to go through is very rigorous um it, it's not um it, it's uh, like just in the time i was there just there, you know, I had to fast a lot. And uh, so there was a lot of just physical kind of uh, testing. And because, uh, and in the tradition is, is that the shaman fasts for uh, a period and uh, maybe only having a bowl of rice a day or and some tea and maybe a piece of fish or something like that. So there's a whole protocol of if you're going into the ceremony, you can't, um, there's a fasting process beforehand um, because some of the, if you want to call it side effects, is uh, vomiting or diarrhea. So that's why you fast beforehand. So if that during the cleansing part of the ceremony, if there is vomiting, you throw up. Uh, 
you know, when I, when I, I don't know, instead of food or undigested food, you know, if I was in a ceremony with a bunch of people and all of a sudden I smelt vomit, oh my God, I would lose it. I can't stand the smell of vomit. And then the idea that these people are kind of out of their mind, seeing hallucinations, diarrhea all over the place, that would be disgusting, Juna. No, no, there, yeah, it would, but no, it's not like that. There's, you know, they have bathrooms. And, you know, you can get up and go to the bathroom and um, where I was. And um, by the way, er earlier I had said Shaman Joe (laughs) kind of jokingly. Right. And then you ended up saying Shaman Jorge. So (laughs) 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 I like that. So Mm -hmm. what where where did the where where did the initial want to maybe hook up and meet a a shaman? where, where did that start? Because I know here in, in, in North America, we have, you know, our Native American tribes. Yes. And, and I know that they don't maybe have access to ayahuasca or ayahuasca, however it's pronounced. But I know that they do, you know, have like peyote yes. and different things that can kind of get them to where they start to see spirits and what have you as well. Mm-hmm. Are, are, is there a relationship between maybe the North American tribes and, and the South American tribes and shaman? Yeah, it's just different medicines. You know, I, uh, you know, different plants because those plants grow there. Um, and um, what did you see, Juna? Did you see like rainbows and, you know, weird stuff? And did you hear anything? What, what happened? Oh, I, I had um, I've done about 50 ceremonies and they were all so very different. And uh, and some just the most exquisitely beautiful visions um, so at one point, my uh, deceased father spirit came to me, which was just totally um, so moving because I, I was daddy's girl and to just to connect with his spirit was did, just did, so beautiful. Was it more of a visual or did you actually have a little bit of a conversation with him? And uh, my, my dad used to whistle and um, he, he I, I heard him whistling. And I just felt in my heart and I, and I just, you know, how like when you know, you know something. And I just felt his presence and it was just so beautifully moving. So that, that's one thing. Um, uh, I had um, my grandmother, my uh, maternal grandmother, um, I had always held some resentment um, toward her uh, because I felt like she was... Um, she was really kind of hard edged toward my mother and she came to me one time in a ceremony and, um, and really said uh, she did the best she could. And when that happened, I totally gave all of that anger, resentment, anything that I held toward her, I gave that up. It was just very healing and beautiful. So that. Juna, if I, if I would have met you in high school, right. Because because people can't see you on 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 the video right now because they just hear the audio portion. But you're obviously a very beautiful girl. So let's say I see you in high school, right? And I'm like, Juna, I got this weed here. Take a hit of this. Were you were you one of the girls that were into acid and magic mushrooms and uh, you know? Blue? Yeah, I grew up in the '60s. Did yeah. you? Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if I if I hand you the joint back in the day, you would have you would have probably said, oh, I've got some even better stuff and handed me a better joint. Is that is that what would have happened? Well, I don't know about that, but 
I've got I've got my tie dye shirt on for you here. I'm, right? Okay, but so let me ask you this though. Obviously, when when you were Wait, I, I want to get a distinction because when you're talking about ayahuasca and the sacred medicine of the indigenous people, I, I was initiated into that teaching. You know, I was the only, you know, gringo, the only white woman there in the circle, and they accepted me uh, with their medicine and their love and their trust. And so I feel like I need to say that going there isn't about getting high or, or recreational drugs or anything like that. And I, and sometimes I even hear on the news people referring to ayahuasca as that, and it just makes my blood boil because it's unfair. Yeah, but let me ask you this. Can any gringo, like you said, go down there and take part in the ritual? Or do you have to have some issues that make the ritual necessary? For example, my grandmother treated my mom poorly. I need some closure on that, right? I was daddy's little girl and I haven't seen my dad in X amount of years and there's pain involved because couldn't a person just go down there and you know say yeah i'm depressed let me go through the ceremony oh yeah no they have whole uh clinics for that and especially for uh alcohol and drug addictions uh so it, it is used in that way uh and and there's some work being done with uh psychologists and uh medical doctors and uh and shamans that's interesting that's interesting so juna we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back we're going to retake up this story and maybe talk about uh, the first couple shamans that uh, juna had a chance to meet so stay tuned we'll be right back would you like to host your own radio show Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. When it comes to financial planning, most of us would probably rather have a root canal. Math, budgets, keeping ourselves and our loved ones secure after retirement, planning for retirement, risk, reward, and the like. How do you find the answers you need? Tune into Fiscal Fitness with John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina. They'll help you feel more secure in your investments and your future. Listen every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you tired of feeling disconnected and shut down? Since every choice has ripple effects, lasting happiness is a product of the choices we make each day. Tune in to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. 
Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmsted introduced you to authors, musicians, artists, and innovators, all actively engaged in designing a world that works for everyone. Make sure you're along for the ride, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. And we're back! Juna, before we left, we were talking about how you were such a party animal girl in high school, but it wasn't really about that. It was about, you know, this is, is a religious religious ceremony. There's a lot of uh, things that happen at these ceremonies, but it's really not about getting high. What made you decide to go from, you know, I assume U.S. of A girl to let's go to South America? Well, my uh, dear friend, Joseph, um, called me uh, one day and um, said that he had been uh, very ill and he had studied with uh, shamans in Peru and had um, healed himself. And um, he also uh, sang some of the Icaros to me and they were just so beautiful. What's an Icaros? Uh, is that the, like a, is the, that what? That's the medicine songs that um, as I started to uh, tell you in the first uh, part, but I don't know, got off track. Um, And so basically uh, a shaman uh, fasts for a long period of time and works with a certain herb. And so maybe a tea of a certain herb. And then when the the shaman is purified enough, the song of the medicine song of the plant is then downloaded into their consciousness. And so they can then sing the song of that plant. And, and in doing so, it invokes the healing power of the spirit of the plant. Very cool. So by fasting, you're kind of creating a situation where all they're dealing with and taking in emotionally and physically is the plant. And therefore, they're able to kind of bring out the good stuff of the plant. You know, you said earlier that that when they're fasting, they might have a bowl of rice and a little fish each day. And I've fasted before. Juna, I would have died for a little fish and rice. <laughs> so you earlier, you said uh, that you met up with Shaman Jorge. How does one reach out to Shaman Jorge or know about him in the beginning? Did you not until you got down there or did you go to his website and he's like, Juna, you need to come down here? What, what What's going on? Well, this was before, um, you know, websites were really popular and, uh, and even the internet wasn't that developed back then. And um, so I, I asked um, Joseph if he could recommend someone that I could study with. And he said, Jorge. And, um, and so I wrote a letter to him and uh, a dear friend uh, translated it into Spanish. And, um, and so that was the hardest part is that my Spanish really uh, isn't well, isn't good. And uh, their English isn't very good because their native language is Quechua. That's the, the traditional people's language. And so they had to adapt, you know, to Western culture, you know, with Spanish. 
And uh, so then I got a letter back. And so, you know, it was before emails. And uh, he said, yes, come on down. You did, uh, e you did email him then. So this is what I don't. Uh, no, no, no. I said this was before email. I wrote to him a letter. Oh, you wrote him a letter. Okay, so oh, let me okay. let me ask you a goofy question. Earlier, I said so. A shaman in Peru is completely different from one in Argentina or mm -hmm. Africa. But technically, today we do have the internet and email. Couldn't mm -hmm. my Peruvian shaman hook me up with some herbs from, you know, the middle part of Africa, if there was a shaman there and they both had an internet connection, Juna? Well, you know, again, every, uh, I, I don't know, because I don't know any of this. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to have, uh, you know, uh, some of the shamans on, uh, on, you know, on Zoom or something like that to present them. But again, it's my, uh, uh, you know, it's my Spanish sucks. <laughs> okay, but was shaman, was shaman Jorge a, a good looking guy? Well, he wasn't bad looking, but, uh, you know, he's, he was my, probably, he was in his 40s. And so um, I, I, I took a plane, uh, you know, to Lima and then had to take a propeller plane from there to um, Tarapoto, which is a high jungle town. And, um, uh, and it was during the time of, again, the Shining Paths. And at that time, I think there was some problem at the capital of Peru. So uh, it was rather, uh, uh, you know, my friends are going, what, what are you? <laughs> they, they weren't really happy that I was doing this. Um, but I felt it was safe. And I felt that it was that, that karmically, or I felt like I had a spiritual connection with these people. How old were you? Um, 20s 40 okay so you were an adult because I got to be honest with you if you were in the 20s and I was your dad I would be so upset because I'm thinking of my daughter being kidnapped and run through the jungles yeah absolutely I, I would be too yeah but no I you know and uh you know I got there and um they were uh unloading the bags onto the ground and a big pile, and um, I'm looking out into the crowd, and there I saw Jorge, and I just knew it was him, and he was kind of a short, kind of stocky guy, wearing an American t-shirt, and um, um, I just knew it was him, and he knew it was me, and um, uh, and then I discovered that my bags were not there. And oh, no. I had to stay there for a month, and I had nothing except you know, my, what was in my purse. Well, you went so, on a small plane, you said, right? Wasn't it a yeah. small propeller plane? You yeah. didn't, you didn't notice that in your right hand, you didn't have your suitcase in your No, you had, you had to check your bags because it was a small plane. You know, just like even in the States, you know, you have to fit everything into the little tiny compartment. Right. So, so yeah. picture, so picture this, they've mm -hmm. got a little lot guy out there, right? And he's supposed mm -hmm. to take the checked bags and stuff them into the cargo hold of this little plane, right? Mm -hmm. And you said that it's a small plane. So there's probably only five or six people on there. They didn't notice that, oh, we forgot to put well, <laughs> these people's luggage. Well, and, you know, and then I felt... I don't know. I felt, um, you know, what is this, a scam or, you know, oh, yeah, right. you know, I, that came up for me. And 
and uh, a tremendous upset. And he said, oh, don't worry. He said, they'll see, they'll get my bags, right? It's like, okay. And so, you know, then we, uh, and, um, what 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 did he what did he look like though? You said he was short and stout. Did he did he was he dark complected? Did he was he dark yeah. complected? Did he look like a movie star? Did he look uh, kind of disheveled with his hair? How was his hair? His hair was very short, and uh, yeah, he was a, a native person, so he had um, uh, beautiful chocolate colored skin and um, and bright eyes and. Um, uh, did he, did, did he end up, did he hit on you at all, Juna, or no? No. Okay. No, all right. no, no, all right. no, 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 no. Darn it. All right. Well, it's not mm -hmm. always meant to be. Okay. But anyway, he was a nice guy. He obviously made you feel at yeah. ease. Did you yeah. end up staying like uh, out in the jungle area with him? Well, and, and I, people? Uh, I stayed in, um, I guess it's more like the suburbs uh, at his, his center, which was, uh, you know, made of limestone and had a concrete floor and with a palapus, uh, you know, the grass, gra the palm leaf uh, roof. Okay. Okay. And, gotcha. and uh, the bathroom, uh, I think they had electricity two hours a day. Okay. So. And um, the shower, uh, was uh, a rain barrel. <laughs> oh, God. oh, that's cool, though, right? That's yeah. cool. Yeah, so, so you, you know, to take a shower, and, and it was in a bathroom kind of, like, setting, and it was a, because they didn't always have water. Um, and, you, and you're probably taking a cold shower, I'd imagine, right, yeah. since the utilities yeah. are only on X amount of time? Okay. Yeah, so it was like you scoop out, uh, you know, a cup of water and pour it over your head, you know? Right, right. So, uh, and, you know, the toilets, uh, they had a toilet, but it didn't have a seat. Uh, and um, what were you, what were you drinking down there? Because I've always been told that when you go to foreign countries, that, you know, you'll get sick, even if you drink the water. And this yeah. was obviously what pre bottled water or was there bottled water at the time? Well, they had purified water that they oh, okay. would in bottles. And, uh, also, uh, they made uh, Louisa tea for me, which was a herb herbal tea that was very pleasant. And um, Juna, when you go to McDonald's, isn't that sweet tea McDonald's have pleasant? Oh my God, I love that. Was it was it even close to McDonald's sweet tea? Uh, you know, I'm sorry. I can't even remember the last time I was at McDonald's. Juna. Okay. All right. So you don't like Ronald McDonald. All right. So how, tell, 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 it, tell us about, tell us about this tea. Cause you smiled when you said it, does it, was it really surprisingly pleasant? It was lovely. And um, when I, um, uh, uh, when I got there and I, I don't know if I told you or not that I, I have a arachnophobia that I'm, I'm a, I have a great fear of spiders. Okay. And so, um, and in Peru, there are spiders uh, big enough to eat birds. Get out of here. Is that true? How, how, bi how big are we talking? I'm picturing something the size of a hand. Are they bigger than, than a hand? Uh, well, uh, the one I saw in that was in the center one time was, yeah, a little bigger than your hand, maybe. Oh, my God. How freaky. Yeah. I'm, I'm afraid of spiders, too, from the standpoint of I wouldn't want to be bit by one, you know? Yeah, me either. Um, 
And so, um, so right. Uh, so the the um, center was on a large property that had banana trees and and gardens of tropical flowers and avocado trees, and it was very beautiful. And they also had a um, a guard station there. Uh, you know, who would come and guard it at night with a machine gun. Oh, wow. Yeah. So wait, I don't want to get off the spiders just yet. Tell me okay. they, t- tell me they made you eat one. I love. No, no, come no. on, Shuna. <laughs> You're supposed to become one with nature. They eat those giant spiders down there, don't they? Well, I'm not where I was, but I'm, you know, maybe in some other place, but not where I was. Um, I think it's I think it's funny how you describe that your shaman lived in the suburbs, had an American T-shirt on. (laughs) He gave you some sweet tea from McDonald's. Okay, it wasn't sweet tea from McDonald's, but he gave you this wonderful tea. He gets a spider. Was he tell me he was afraid of the spider, too. That would be kind of funny. uh, No, they they (laughs) thought that they they weren't afraid. But um, there was a wonderful native woman who lived uh, like uh, across the property and her name was Benita and she was there to cook and, and um, for me and also to wash my, do my laundry. And um, was she a good cook? She was wonderful. And what type she, of foods do you have? I'm picturing eggs, like a lot well, of eggs for breakfast. Okay. So there were ceremonies like um, every other day. And so the time up to that ceremony you, it, your diet is very limited. Like you can't have anything spicy. You can't have pork. You can't have eggs or dairy, um, that type of thing. Okay. And, um, and so, um, and the day of the ceremony, like you couldn't eat anything after like, I, I, I can't remember what it was like late morning, like 10 o'clock that, you know, nothing, maybe you could have a sip of water or something like that. Oh, okay. That's not too hardcore though. Right. Uh, well, it kind of builds up, you know. Were so, you were you starving? Do you remember? Like, were you feeling the stomach pangs? Yeah. Some points, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember one one ceremony was difficult because um, uh, there was fasting, and then uh, I got to go on a, a rafting trip on one of the rivers, and it was led by an expat, and so they they usually they never let me go out alone, and. Um, you know, there was always someone with me and, and they really uh, took great care of me. And, um, uh, and it was kind of turbulent that day, all of a sudden it started to rain. And so it was very cold and damp and, and kind of rough waters. And so uh, during the ceremony, I was very ill that that evening, just because of um, it was the, the conditions of that. That's what I always fear, being ill in another country like that, where it's like, God, what if that illness doesn't subside? But I assume it got better. Tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit about your experience, because I know you said that you saw your dad and you heard your grandma, or you heard your dad's whistling and you had a little conversation with your grandma, right? But did you is there a physical high sensation or is it just like visuals, like you're in the middle of a dream, but you're you're obviously not dreaming? Uh, well, each one is different, and um, I, I just want to backtrack a little bit. Um, so, um, 
years before I uh, went to, to mine Herkimer diamonds, they're a crystal that's uh, double terminated and they sparkle. They're really bright and shiny and really beautiful. And um, they grow in Herkimer, New York. And so uh, some friends uh, and I went, went up there and, um, you know, it was just a marvelous experience and brought home some diamonds. And so I thought I'd bring one to Jorge as a gift. And so, uh, you know, when I first met him and uh, I also brought him a t-shirt for his son. And um, uh, I also, uh, beforehand, I, I went around to the local charities and I asked if they would donate some clothes for their community. And people did, they, it was really sweet. So I donated a lot of uh, clothes to, to their community. And, um, and so, uh, the first ceremony, I sat, uh, so how it is, is that the ceremonies always start um, around 7.30 at night uh, in the dark. And, you know, since you're on the equator, uh, the sun always rises around six and it always sets around six, you know, every day, it doesn't matter whatever season. You know, hold, hold that thought, right? The, the, it, the six o'clock thought, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to dive right into this Juna experience. We'll be right back. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you ever been interested in technology or the application? Technology is always changing, and there is definitely a place for you in it. Listen for Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. Sharon and her guests teach you the skill set and present resources that help you incorporate and enhance technological know-how in your current career, as well as prepare you for future success. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. So, Juno, you said that the ceremony starts because down near the equator, 
you uh, have a six o'clock kind of phenomenon where basically 6 a.m. that sun's coming up and at 6 p.m. basically that sun's coming down, which kind of makes sense, right? We're in a spherical planet. So um, I'm going to let you uh, continue from there. So the first ceremony, uh, so um, it was done in the center and uh, uh, on, on, the, on the floor and everyone gets a mat to lie on and everyone gets a, a vomit bowl, as they call it. <laughs> You're kidding. Oh, my God, that's awesome. I love that. That's great. But again, it's uh, everyone's fasting, so they're not vomiting, going to vomit undigested food, okay? So it's not like that. Uh, so, you know, times, there were times I was called the puke queen, you know, so... I mean, it's anyway, you know, it's like people always tease me, you know, I, when I go away, I go on a cruise so I can eat. And it's like, when I go away, I go away to where I could throw up. It sounds sick. I know. But anyway, um, so it's, it's, it's dark. We're in, um, it was only around six people plus the shaman and his other apprentice. Her name was Christina, a native person. And um, they have an altar laid out, laid out in front of the, the shamans. Of, um, and um, I have my own altar in front of me, which I had um, one of my uh, Indian gurus there, and a flashlight, uh, some tissue paper. And, um, oh, and uh, they have lots of mapacho, which is their tobacco their sacred tobacco, which they smoke through the ceremony, which to me, that's kind of like, that was like the hard part of it is to breathe that sometimes. Oh, they don't let but, you smoke it? Well, uh, it wasn't like that they didn't let me. <laughs> it, was, it just wasn't something I wanted to do. Gotcha. Um, because that's a way of cleansing, of keeping, you know, because people release a lot of stuff, you know, emotional stuff and mental stuff and that kind of things. So uh, it's a way of keeping the energy moving. So the first ceremony, it was, it was just very, very beautiful. Um, at one point, um, uh, I felt like I was in a cathedral, even though I was in the cathedral of the, uh, underneath the palm leaves. And it was very, very beautiful. And, um, Jorge said, sit across from me. And so I did. And he asked me to put my hands on his face like this. And all of a sudden, I felt something cold and hard come into my hands. And I thought, oh, great. I thought you were going to go somewhere inappropriate with that. So, okay. So you just touch his face, right? It's cold though. Is, yeah. is the cold, you, do you think his but face was something is coming out of his mouth and it's cold and hard. And <laughs> right. I, he, he, I, I take it into my hands and he says, open your hands. I open my hands and I see an egg made of purple light. <laughs> and, and he says here and he, he, he had me put it back into his by his mouth and he took a lick of it as if it were ice cream and part of it went back into him and then he clapped my hands around it and I felt it be hard and solid and he said this is my gift for you 
because, you know, I brought him a Herkimer diamond and now he lit his flashlight. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. That you either had a lighter or a flashlight and he lit his lighter and there was a calcite egg, a pink calcite egg. It was hard, you know, it was a crystal. Oh, that's beautiful. So he gave you that as a gift then? Yeah, he manifested it from the ethers and his intention and the law of vibration. And uh, Yeah, but was there a piece of you that wanted to flip it upside down and see if you saw a little Made in China sticker? Be honest. No, what, ha- what happened was <laughs> I held it up into my heart like during, you know, during parts of the ceremony. And I, then I take it away because I thought, well, what happens if it melts into me? I mean, I didn't oh, know. No, I don't blame you because, you know, you're <laughs> under the uh, influence of the ayahuasca, right? As well. As well. And, and then I'm thinking, you know, it, when I went to bed that night, I, you know, I put it up my uh, in my room. That's another story. It was concrete blocks with uh, particle boards as shelves. That, and that was my dresser. And I had like a, a cot like uh, as if I think it was like, like a straw mattress in which they uh, would have sheets made of like children's <laughs> children's sheets, like what you'd use for a right. kid, you know, like with Mickey Mouse. <laughs> right. But all put together like a cot. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, let me, so let me and, ask you a question though. You ultimately, I assume paid for this, right? I did. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, it would be kind of like if I paid to be homeless for a month, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay. And then, so let me ask you this for fun. Mm-hmm. How much would you ever pay to have a guy kind of regurgitate stuff into your hand nowadays or, or how much would we have to pay you for a guy to be able to just kind of regurgitate something into your hand nowadays? Cause you, well, that's a, there are people who can do that. There are people who can uh, certain mediums uh, can actually throw up diamonds or, you know, jewels. Uh, there's even some uh, really good um, footage on YouTube. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I've always been fascinated with that phenomena. Now, uh, Juna, be honest, though. If you could regurgitate and throw up a diamond, you you wouldn't tell anybody about that, would you? That'd be your own little diamond-making <laughs> secret. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because uh, people might have some expectations or something. I, I don't know. So what but do you? What do you? Training involved in that. What do you say so. to that? What do you say to that person that says, "June, uh, these people are con artists or what have you"? Was there ever a piece of you that was skeptical? No. No. Okay. No. No. Does it work for everybody? Like, no matter how skeptical a person would be, would would they still get these same reactions, or is it more the ayahuasca which is real? Because whenever I think of somebody, I see on video these pictures of these faith healers, for example, and they'll be like putting their hands into the stomach of of the person, and then they pull out a bloody egg, right? And it's like, is that real? You know, in your case, it wasn't like he was doing a faith healing, but he did kind of regurgitate a a crystal out of his mouth, you're saying. Yeah. But did it look like legitimate, or do you think that that's part? Okay, all right. Absolutely. And and I've, you know, I've always been fascinated with, with these things and the powers of you know, the siddhas in, in India and, um, and also the mediums, the spiritual mediums that can uh, manifest things. I, you know, I've also seen one of those in, in Florida one time. Uh, I don't know if 
we're getting off the track here, but no, no, I love this though because this this is kind of what what people think when they start thinking of a shaman. So the first one was shaman Jorge. How many shaman have you had experiences with through the years then? Uh, about five, I would say. Well, five, even even more. But some of them, I I it wasn't as personal. They were just in. Uh, this was in uh, another time in Pulkalpa, which is a river town. Uh, and that was just a few years ago. And um, I actually brought uh, some friends on to go along with me on that one. And so it, was, it wasn't as lonely and it wasn't as uh, arduous because uh, there was, uh, you know, some emotional support there. But um, yeah, and everyone is different. What I, what I loved about Jorge's was... Um, and, and all the, but all the ceremonies have kind of like the, the same kind of structure in the beginning, uh, again, the, and they all have different Icaros or the different songs that they sing. And if it's, it's kind of like this, it's like you're going on a journey and the Icaros are the path. And as long as the, you stay with the Icaros, you're, uh, you stay on the path. Good. So that you don't get distracted or go off with something else. I bet I bet you right now, as we speak, Juna, mm -hmm. I bet you somewhere in South America, right? Shaman Jorge's ears are burning, right? Because we're talking about him. And I bet you he's telling students right now, my, my past students are speaking about me and they're speaking well. So I think you'd make, uh, I think you'd make Shaman Jorge proud. Juna, let me ask you a little bit about you real quick. Do you have a website? Because obviously you're a fun person that likes to go out and see things all around the world. Do you have a website where maybe uh, my listeners could maybe check out a little bit about your adventures and about you? Uh, yes, it's junaverse.com, and that's like Junaverse, you know. So uh, D J U N A V E R S E.com. Wait a and minute. You just said so that's like Junaverse, and then you put a D in there. I'd never heard of a Juna with a D before. What's that all about? Silent letters. You know, being a woman of mystery. All right. But in, in all seriousness, though, it's a silent D. So, again, yeah. it's D-J-U-N-A-V-E-R-S-E.com. Correct. Awesome. And then, Juniverse, you're going to be doing uh, your own show here on the Voice America Network uh, in the upcoming uh, weeks and months, right? Yes. Um, can, you tell, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about what your show uh, is called and what it's going to maybe touch base on. Will it touch a little bit of, uh, about shamans and what have you? Oh, yes. And I have a wonderful shaman lined up. Gene uh, Eng has agreed to be on. And also um, he's from the States and also a wonderful urban shaman uh, from Australia, uh, Rame Richards, uh, who is the inventor of crystal dreaming. And um so uh, it's the show is called Voices for the New Age, and um, I'll be co-hosting with my dear friend Steve Sokolow, and um, we'll have on astrologers and healers and authors um, to give you a new perspective and open doors of possibility and food for thought and hopefully uh, entertaining and fun. It will be. And is that going to be on the Voice America Variety Channel or Empowerment Channel? Do you know what channel it will be on, Juna? 
I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it's on the Variety Channel, but either, but either way, you'll we'll, we'll we'll let everybody know when it does come out. Juna, um, were there any of the shamans that you met uh, before, or or excuse me, after the original one? that maybe came across as insincere. I know you didn't necessarily have the same connection with some. Were there any that you did feel were kind of shysty con artists or what have you, or did they all feel like they were definitely in tune to nature and uh, what have you? I, I just uh, felt that one, uh, just one, I, I felt his ceremony was like um, uh, a waska, ayahuasca a go-go or something. <laughs> right. It, it just uh, didn't have that uh, depth to it, but uh, all the ones um, and Paul Culpa was, uh, were just incredible. And uh, I was initiated into um, their medicine. It was the Shipibo tribe there. And, um, and there they also, um, they had, they also wore t-shirts and Western clothes, but they also had uh, beautiful uh, textiles uh, embroidered by the native women. Um, you know, uh, with the vibrational energy of the sacred medicine of the plants. So I had some friends back in the day that would experiment with like acid and magic mushrooms. Uh, don't worry, friends, I won't name any names. But after they took some of those psychedelics, they would tell me that, you know, from that point on, they felt a little changed. They felt a little bit more towards their fellow human being. And so I was just kind of wondering in your experiences, uh, it sounds like you were always kind of in touch with your fellow human beings, but did it kind of bring out a new level to that with you as far as afterwards? Absolutely, because um, the plant spirits were working with me. And so uh, I, I've had so many teachings uh, one was um, one in one ceremony. I saw my husband in every cell of my being, and I then remembered, uh, like, did he pass? Was he alive? No, he's alive. Oh, okay, all right. But, but we were separated. I was in Peru. Oh, okay. And I could see him as how um, being married, uh, another person really become becomes part of you. And that was a that was a really beautiful teaching for me. His his buddy's like, "Hey, where's Juno? Where's your wife?" He's he's like, "Oh, she's in another country with Father, or excuse me, Shaman Jorge doing ayahuasca." <laughs> that would be a little scary if you think about it, you know. <laughs> well, well, you know, that's one thing about I love about my husband. It's like, oh, honey, I just got to go to India. Oh, okay, dear. <laughs> yeah. That sounds. Um, that's not, it. Sounds like you and your husband are best friends. In yeah. addition, in addition to be husband and wife, do you guys have any children? Uh, no, just uh, two Siamese cats. No children, just two. Oh, yeah, the two Siamese cats. Now, Siamese cats talk a lot. Do your Do your cats talk a lot? Oh, absolutely, especially right. my little girl. Yeah, yeah, she's always. But you close. Up. You closed the door though for the interview, so they're not in the room with you. <laughs> I did, yeah, because uh, my uh, my Romeo, uh, he he's a double Leo, and so he likes to like be the star of the, you know, have all the attention, and, and I. Uh, he sings you know. to you and stuff, huh? <laughs> 
so overall, I, I believe that we are kind of our experiences in life, right? They all equate to who we are as a person, the things we go through. So Absolutely. are you are you really proud of yourself that you did have the courage back in the day to go ahead and go down there and 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 experience that? Oh, absolutely. One of the highlights of my life. Um, and, and that was another teaching that I got from ayahuasca, because in some afternoons, it would be so hot that I would lie in the hammock and maybe take a nap or a read or something. And I just saw, all of a sudden, I saw in super slow motion, the swaying of the hammock and what the, how that affected my nervous system. And I saw the words that I was reading in uh, I think it was a Tony uh, Hillerman novel. And I saw the words were like spinning off of a spinning wheel into my consciousness and my brains. And I saw how everything that you take in becomes part of you. And uh, that was really kind of profound from uh, Ju that. Juna, right now I'm seeing the letter F. It sounds like you were effed up. Oh, my God. That sounds like a good time. Listen, thank you for being on Jesse Jameson and friends. And uh, well, I want to let all my listeners know to tune in again next week when we have someone else share a fun story. So, Juna, thank you for being on. And everybody will see you again next week. Juna, say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Be sure to tune in again next week for another great story. Jesse Jameson and Friends is heard every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Jesse Jameson and Friends is a proud presentation of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. All rights reserved. <laughs>